0: Got to see Jeff Diamond in person recently. We we're at the Randy Shaver Golf Classic. Uh, you know, Randy has done so, has dealt with cancer in his, himself and in his own life, and he's been uh, you know a great advocate of uh, of cancer research. Uh, he holds his golf tournament once once a year at Rush Creek. Jeff and I were both lucky enough to be included, and it was great to see Randy. Randy looks fantastic. Joe Mauer looks fantastic. I think he looks better now than when he was playing. Uh, so it was a great cause. Uh, if you ever get a chance to uh, contribute to any cancer research or any, anything involving Randy Shaver, you know you're dealing with somebody who's you know ethical and is going to do the right thing. Uh, so hey, thanks to Randy. Great to see Jeff. On to football. This is Jeff Diamonds, Vikings and NFL Insider, part of TalkNorth.com. If you like the show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. It is free. It's the easiest way to listen. Thanks to our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, and our longtime producer, Brandon Morton. Uh, let's start today, Jeff with coordinators speaking publicly and of course they're not going to tell you everything but sometimes you can read between the lines uh let's start with brian flores what did you get
1: out of his conversation well i think my first impression of of brian flores is that this guy was a former nfl head coach in miami and he's pretty smooth with the media as i'm sure you uh felt too and it's kind of obvious in the way he answers questions and And he is fairly forthcoming, but yet not. (laughs) So he kind of understands how to play that game. And I like what I hear from him in terms of playing an aggressive but not reckless style and the players' reactions, guys like Harrison Smith and Harrison Phillips talking about it, that that they like the scheme, they like the aggressiveness. But again, the proof's going to be in the pudding come September. And, of course, the big question is, how quickly the Viking players will adapt to his aggressive style. And almost more importantly, is there enough talent on that Vikings defense for them to have a top 15 defense as he had in Miami in 2021, as in, in Pittsburgh working with Mike Tomlin last season, uh, of course, you you want to shoot for a top 10 defense, but I think at this stage when they're coming off at of number 31, I'm sure. I'm sure Kevin O'Connor would take a, a top 15 defense to go with a, a, a top 10 offense that they already have, and that would probably be probably be enough to get into the playoffs. And so, yeah, I think Flores made made a lot of good points and and talking about that they're certainly laying the groundwork now and that the rookies are are behind. They have to catch up, but again, it's all going to come down to, I think, how these young players. That, they're, that are being counted on, guys like the draft class last year, Lewis Seen, Andrew Booth, Jr., both ended the year on IR. Caleb Evans, the corner, ended the year on IR. Brian Asamoah now is a starter, was a third-round pick at linebacker. And Byron Murphy, their big free agent signing, again coming off a, a back injury last year. So how are these guys going to do? And then you throw Marcus Davenport in the mix as he replaces Zadarius Smith. And what are they going to get out of the draft class? They've got the three defensive rookies, Blackman, Ward, and, and Roy. Can they contribute this season? How quick can Brian Flores and his defensive staff get them up to speed? So there are just a lot of question marks on that defense that makes it a little problematic in my mind that you can think that these guys are going to be a, a massive improvement over last year just based on scheme. But he certainly, I think, talks a good game and like the philosophy that Brian Flores brings. And, and so, as we said, we'll see. <laughs> and how about Wes Phillips? What struck you
0: about what he had to say?
1: Well, I think one of the things with, with Wes – and and he's also going to be very careful. He's he's got that pedigree from, from his family, from the Phillips family, uh, with Wade and, and Bum and the whole group. Even though Bum, Bum was pretty forthcoming,
0: <laughs> but, I really, I always found Wade to be incredibly forthcoming. I mean, listen, these people are not going to tell you their secrets, but there's a way of of conducting you know interviews and media relations where you give people. You know, you give people fodder. You give people things to talk about. You give people ideas, and you kind of hint at what you want them to know. And I thought Wade. Wade was always fan- every time I was around Wade, either when I called him or I was around him in a press conference setting or after a game, I was I was always stunned how good he was.
1: Yeah, and and I think I think Wes will give you some tidbits here and there, and and talking about, for example, a guy like like uh, KJ Osborne stepping up with with, with uh, Jefferson gone as this contract's being negotiated. And so KJ Osborne and Adam Thielen's now gone to Carolina, so Osborne kind of stepping into a leadership role and and mentioning Jalen Rager as as being a little more impressive this year, having a full install of the offense. We'll see what happens there. The guy was a former first-round draft pick in Philadelphia, so he's got some talent. And Jalen Naylor talked a lot about, him being a really good player as, as he's showing up and and doing the right things and a second-year guy. And a lot of times, as we've talked, the most improvement players make is from that first year to the second year. Ty Chandler, another guy he's talking about, I found it very interesting. He mentions all the running backs except Dalvin Cook. <laughs> and so making it very obvious that, that Dalvin's going to be gone sooner than later. And and Josh Oliver is another guy that that I found interesting, the, the comments, and a little more forthcoming from, from Phyllis because everybody assumed, assumed that Oliver being one of the best blocking tight ends in the league, that's why they brought him in. But then to pay a blocking tight end $7 million a year never really made sense. And then you start to hear, well, this guy has some ability in the passing game too. He was a, a big receiver in college. And just because the Ravens didn't use him much in, as a receiver – Uh, because they had Andrews, for one thing, but talking about his size and and that he can run and his catch radius and all those things. And so I think that perhaps they have bigger plans for Josh Oliver in the passing game, and and that will be interesting to see how, how that unfolds. And then just talking about the offensive line coming back intact and Ed Ingram in his second year, looks like he's in great shape and he should be better this year. So there are a lot of positives on that, on that offense, especially once J.J. gets to town. <laughs> and, and, and also once they get the Dalvin Cook situation resolved, even though everybody's pretty much understanding that he's not going to be here.
0: Well, you know, we just did the Viking Update show with John Krasinski. We talked in depth about Dalvin Cook, uh, his legacy with the Vikings, where he ranks among all-time Viking running backs, uh, what the offense would look without him. You know, one point that I made is that Kevin O'Connell obviously is a passing offensive coach. He wants to emphasize the passing game. He wants to win the passing game. And like, you know, the Chiefs and the Rams and other recent Super Bowl winners, they just want the running game to kind of keep defenses honest Uh, keep the pass rush at bay, give you second and six instead of second and eight. Uh, What do you think of the running back room currently? Can they combine to be good enough at running back?
1: Yeah, I think they can, especially with with O'Connell's philosophy, which he brought from the Rams, where there really was not an elite running back other than Gurley when he was there. And so I, I think that I've always liked Alexander Madison, and I think that he has some strengths, even better than Dalvin Cook, especially short yardage and moving and the pass pie, blocking. Uh, pass blocking. Uh, even though Dalvin was better than people thought in that area, <clears throat> and so I, I think that Madison is, is is a good player. I think that Ty Chandler, in the brief glimpses we saw of him last preseason, I think he's got some some real ability. Wang Wu, we know how fast he is if he gets in, in into the open spaces. And and then McBride, the, the rookie, comes with a pretty high regard for what he did in college. So I, I think it's a pretty good running back room all in all, and especially in this offense and, and the way running backs have been devalued over time. So I think they could be just fine with, with what they have. They'll miss Dalvin's explosiveness, but – Let's, let's also understand that his yards per carry had dropped from year to year to year uh, to his lowest point last year. He played all 17 games last year. And as we've talked before, what are the chances that that's going to happen again? i say very slim because it was the first time he's done it in his career, and he fought through that shoulder injury all year. And so you talk about a guy, any running back these, these days, with with the carries with the wear and tear it's hard to justify a major expense at running back and i think the vikings have learned that the hard way with dalvin and when they went into the madison negotiation they they got a a very favorable deal on a guy who's going to be their starter yeah
0: i I agree with you completely there hey let's get to uh what is going on with Dalvin? What you think is going to happen? Uh, let's get to Daniel Hunter's contract, which I think is really interesting. You're going to have some really good insights. Of course, if you're listening to this, you know Jeff Diamond, former Vikings general manager, former president of the Tennessee Titans, both during glory years. Uh, also some interesting things going on around the league. DeVar Hamlin coming back, Leonard Floyd with the Bills, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, let's get into all of that here. But first, let us uh, let's thank our longtime sponsor, White Bear Lake Superstore, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore, Buick GMC, and my longtime friend, owner Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Gutrell. their fantastic staff. Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, dealer six years running, with the best selection and their super-friendly premium team. Check out their great website, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. You will see 0.9% APR on GMC Sierra 1500 models, and a $1,250 trade-in bonus on the GMC Sierra 1500s, 2.49% APR on 2022 and 2023 Buick Encore GXs, plus a $750 purchase allowance, no monthly payments for 90 days on these great vehicles, also a 1.9% APR on GMC Acadias, and introduce, introducing the new 2024 Encore GX the White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore, and they are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at whitebearlakesuperstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade.
0: Reminder that uh, TalkNorth.com includes the Jeff Diamond, Jeff Diamond Show Viking Update show, John Krasinski show, Preps Today with John Millay. Uh, We have Russo and many other shows on hockey. Uh, We have the Chin Music Show, which is a blast with Roy Smalley and Lavelle Neal. By the way, that show will be live at uh, O'Donovan's at 5.30 p.m. on June 13th. If you want to stop by before a Twins game, it's right there on the way. Uh, And we have tons of outdoor content. We have variety content with Joe Anderson Dave Lee. Uh, we have Mike Grimm on the Govers. Check it all out. And if, again, if you like a show, subscribe to your favorite podcast app. You can always go to talknork.com to find the archives of the shows and our full lineup. And thank you for listening. We do appreciate it. Let, let's get into Delvin, uh, excuse me, into Daniil Hunter's contract situation. What is playing out there? Well, first of
1: all, it was interesting to hear or to see on the NFL.com website a little article saying that that the Vikings have received calls on on trading Hunter, which I think is is crazy and absurd and, and probably not even happening. And what, what they were saying in the article was it, it was in the aftermath of trading Darius Smith and are the Vikings willing to, to move Hunter too? I don't think there's any way they're going to move Daniel Hunter. He, if they don't have him... Uh, I think their their pass rush is going to be anemic <laughs> and, and very questionable, uh, unless they bring in a Justin Houston or somebody else like that. But they're not going to trade Hunter. And, and I think, furthermore, I don't really think it's that complicated a deal to get done, Jim. I, of course, any 20000000 plus million-plus-a-year a deal is not easy. But when you look at DeNeal's contract, and he has $5.5 million coming this year, in base and roster if you take that contract and you do a n- new extension with say a 20 million dollar signing bonus over five years that equates out to four million dollars prorated against the cap this year and then they reduce his base and roster from 5.5 to something like 1.5 they, they can get the same cap number of around 13 million dollars so it, it seems like it's it's a pretty Simple deal to get done and keep that cap number, unless O'Neill's trying to get twenty-five to thirty million dollars a year or something, which which I don't I don't think is deserved. I think he should be in the $22, 23 million a year range, where where there are guys like Max Crosby and Khalil Mack. There's some of those guys in there. He he is not at the level of the Bosa brothers, for example. Even though Nick hasn't got his extension done, but when he gets it done, it's going to be thirty million a year, uh, and and also where, where you've got uh, Miles Garrett in, in Cleveland at twenty five a year, and and, and TJ Watt is I think at twenty seven a year. So Daniel is not quite at that level; he's probably in that lower twenties. So I expect this deal to get done. I don't think it's as difficult as it may appear. That maybe I don't know something that's going on <laughs> so behind the scenes, and and maybe they're asking for too much. We'll see. What kind
0: of season do you think Daniil had last year? Because his his like analytic stats in terms of pressuring and beating his man were good. You know, he didn't end up with the crazy sack totals that he's had sometimes in his during his career. Uh, how good do you think he is
1: right now? Yeah, I, I still. The, the amazing thing is he. Seems like he's been here forever, and he's only 28 years old. I know, I know. And so, uh, which shows how young he was when he came here in the first place, whatever it was, 2015 or 2016. I I thought he started slow, which was understandable, going to a a new defense, a 3-4 after playing in the 4-3 under Zimmer all those years. But his second half of the season, he was pretty dynamic and ended up with double-digit sacks, 10.5 sacks. And so I think that this year – theoretically, should be even better as long as he stays healthy. Now, of course, that's that's a big concern, and I'm sure that's part of the discussion in in the negotiation between the Vikings and his agent, is that the Vikings probably want fairly sizable roster bonuses so that in order to max out the deal, he's got to be on the field. And I think that makes sense and is understandable that you put a couple million dollars into roster bonuses. I, I thought he was really good at the end of the year, And it was important because that was when Zadarius was tailing off. As he was dealing with his knee injury, Hunter was coming on, Zadarius was tailing off, and only had a half a sack over the last half of the season. So I I still think Daniel Hunter is is really a key player on this team. To me, he's right up there with with Cousins and Jefferson as far as who are the most important players on this football team.
0: Yeah, and, you know, listen— 10 and a half sacks is a lot of sacks, you know? I mean, I think his career high was 14 and a half and maybe never gets back to that, but you're still 10 and a half sacks is still significant and still really important.
1: Yeah. And and it's it's almost just as much about pressures and quarterback hits and all those things, which, which he's always been at a high level there too. So I think it'll get done this, these rumors about trading him. I think that would be a huge mistake.
0: Yeah. Um, we don't want to go too deep on Dalvin because we don't know what's going to happen the next day or two or three or week. But, but what do you think is going on? Is it just as simple as the Vikings are trying to trade
1: him and aren't getting the offer they want yet? Yeah, I think, I think that's clearly the case. And I think what will end up happening, I think part of the equation in order to trade him is that the team acquiring him wants him to take a pay reduction. Uh, they don't want to pay him $11 million that he's due this year. And so Dalvin and his agent could be resisting taking a pay cut in order to go someplace and figuring, hey, just go ahead and release me. <clears throat> and then I can open open myself up to all 32 teams. But the difficulty there, and I, I can speak now from working on the agent side, is as time goes on and teams get let, have less and less cap room. And even now, teams have to budget for as we've talked before, right now it, they're in top 51 of, of salary cap numbers. And pretty soon, when you get to the final cut, all 53 players on, on the roster count, plus injured reserve players. So teams actually need to free up more money. <clears throat> so it just seems to me that this is headed towards a, a release or a, or a trade for a late-round draft pick. And if they can get a fifth-round pick – fourth or fifth round pick for Dalvin, and he agrees to take a pay reduction to go someplace like Miami. I think it's a it's a win-win for both sides.
0: Yeah, at this moment, I'd be surprised if he got something as high as a fourth or a fifth. To me, that would be a big win. Uh, we'll see how that plays out. All right, stuff around the league. DeAndre Hopkins, Leonard Floyd, DeMar Hamlin, uh, let us know what, what story interests you the most.
1: Well, I think the Hopkins situation is really interesting, and and I, it, it kind of ties in partially – to the leonard floyd signing by buffalo which i thought was really interesting and they got him for a pretty good deal <clears throat> about seven million with two million of incentives in buffalo uh, he was making 16 million a year on his last rams deal <clears throat> and yet very very productive in la as a pass rusher he had 29 sacks over three years he also is a good run defender <clears throat> and you think about what are the Bills trying to do this offseason and how disappointed they were to lose that home playoff game last year to Cincinnati after getting bounced the two previous years by Kansas City and not making the Super Bowl, they go into last season as one of the very popular Super Bowl picks and they end up getting knocked out in the divisional round by the by the Bengals and pretty convincingly they lose twenty seven to ten at home. So I'm sure, Brandon, being the GM and and McDermott, the head coach, after that game, we're thinking, man, we got to get better. <laughs> and so, what what have they done? They've they've signed. They went out and signed uh, Leonard Floyd, one of the premier defensive linemen on the on the market. They extended their really good defensive players, uh, Ed Oliver and Matt Milano, and then they've got Von Miller coming back this year, and he had eight sacks in eleven games before he blew out his ACL. So it's very obvious that, and and they signed Puna Ford, and Viking fans know, and Garrett Bradbury knows how good Puna Ford is when he was in Seattle. He gave him fits as as a nose tackle. So it's pretty obvious to me that the Bills are trying to beef up their pass rush and beef up their defense as a whole. Cincinnati had over 400 yards of offense in that game last year, that playoff game. And they know in order to get to the Super Bowl, they've got to be able to stop joe burrow and patrick mahomes and they've got to get in a, a better pass rush. Von Miller was supposed to be that guy. He got hurt. Now they got Floyd, they got Miller, they got Oliver, Milano. They they they're pretty loaded and their secondary is is very good. Terdavius White is coming back healthy this year. I think the Bills are pretty prime, but the the other question on Buffalo, Jim, they still haven't really addressed that that second receiver beyond Stefan Diggs and that hurt them in the Bengals game. And, and also Josh Allen's turnover proclivity hurt them last year when he had, I think something like 22 turnovers. The Vikings saw that firsthand in in that terrific win in Buffalo And, and six of his interceptions out of, I think, whatever, 15 or 16 on the year, including the playoffs, six of those interceptions were in the red zone. And I think two of those were by Patrick Peterson in that game last year. So the Bills, in order to be a Super Bowl team, Josh Allen has to protect the ball better, and they have to rush the passer better. I think they're trying to address that. But they really haven't given Josh Allen another wide receiver weapon. Gabe Davis is just up and down. Diggs is a great player. We know that. And they supposedly are, are in the hunt for DeAndre Hopkins, along with several other teams. He's going to visit Tennessee next week. We'll see if they can find the cap room. And they they did a creative deal to get Floyd there. They did a, some, some voidable years in that contract, which we've talked about before. Uh, so Floyd has a one-year deal, but it looks like a four-year deal for cap purposes. Maybe they can figure out a way to do that with Hopkins. He might be the guy that could really take them over the top. Oh,
0: no doubt about it. Another Interesting, and this one a heartening story out of Buffalo. Sounds like DeMar Hamlin is on his way to re- be, being fully recovered.
1: Yeah, that was really nice to see that he he was fully cleared in April uh, to resume playing and then basically doing extensive conditioning work the last couple months, and, and now he, he is back on the practice field this week. Uh, that's a great story for a guy that was in cardiac arrest and almost died in the game on January 2nd in Cincinnati. So, And, and he's just a, a really great role model for the league and doing great things with his foundation. I think that it's a great story if he can make this successful comeback.
0: No doubt about it. Everybody's everybody's rooting for him. Uh, It's going to be a fascinating offseason. I'm very interested to see what actually happens with Dalvin Cook. uh, And we will have more Vikings fodder to get through here in the upcoming weeks. Thanks for listening to Jeff Diamond's Vikings NFL Insider. Please check out Viking Update, uh, the Viking Update show as well. Thanks again to Jeff. Thanks to Brandon Morton. And thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com.